Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yeah. This is the Rich Eisen Show. Goats have home lives too. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. Rich Eisen. Hello, Rich Eisen. Rich Eisen. Oh, that's Susie Eisen's husband. (laughs) (laughs) The Rich Eisen Show. And now, sitting in for Rich... Here's Brian Weber. Final hour of the program. We have a lot to get to, but I'll always carve out time for your thoughts. 1-844-204-RICH. 1-844-204-7424. Hit me up on Twitter, B.W. Weber. Weber with two Bs, but you only have 40 minutes to chime in because coming up in the final block, in this final hour of the program, We will get back to the NBA. I spent five meaty minutes, five whole minutes talking about five games and the big takeaways from across the association on the hardwood yesterday. Christmas used to be thoroughly controlled by the NBA, but the NFL devours everything in its path. Still, I love hoops as much as I love football, and we're now getting set to make the transition. I think when the NFL playoffs roll around. A lot of you start thinking about, well, I got nothing invested in my local team. Let's say I'm in Cleveland. And if you are, I'm I'm sorry. Based on the weather, great town. Love Cleveland. Love the passion of the sports fans. But you know that franchise isn't going anywhere again on the field. A lot to like about, say, what Spider Mitchell and the Cavs are doing. So we'll talk NBA in 40 minutes with Kurt Heelan, lead NBA writer for NBCSports.com. Hopefully by now, because I'm very fortunate to get the call when Rich needs a day off, especially on a holiday or holiday observed, I do my best to come with about four, four and a half hours of content that I try to, in a rapid and coherent fashion, get on the air in three hours. But when breaking news pops up, as was the case an hour ago with the predictable development that Nathaniel Hackett is out in Denver. 4-11, and the final push coming with that embarrassing, absolutely abysmal loss to the Rams, 51-14 yesterday. With the Hackett news breaking just before we started the last hour of the program, I had to call an audible. We went Denver heavy for the previous 60 minutes. I know the audience is always shifting, so I'll give you more thoughts on the future for the Broncos and Russell Wilson, but I do want to make sure I'm comprehensive. So hour number one, before we had the breaking news, I went in-depth on the AFC. I will shift now to the NFC here, and then we'll get you set for Monday Night Football coming up in 20 minutes as we start thinking more and more about the opportunity for the Chargers And despite my bias when it comes to the Spanos family, nothing personal. I've never met anybody connected to Team Spanos. I love San Diego. That's probably my biggest issue because I feel a lot of empathy for the good people in America's finest city that had that team ripped away for no reason. 
there could have been a solution when it came to the stadium. I will give you a out-of-the-box idea. Why didn't the Spanos family partner with lenders? Here's a wild idea. It's called a mortgage and build their own stadium. The answer is nobody does that outside of the San Francisco Giants and that glittering ballpark when they blew up Candlestick because they couldn't get public money there. But corporate welfare abounds, and the Spanoses found a nice deal with Stan Kroenke on the hook for all the billions for that Taj Mahal of football here in Southern California. But I do have great respect for Justin Herbert. My issue is, and I'll borrow from the thoughts of Jason Cole, who joined us to wrap up the last hour of the program. I'm Brian Weber, in for Rich, Rich Eisen Show. Twitter is always an opportunity for you to have your voice heard. B.W. Weber, Weber with two Bs. Herbert is a generational talent. It is a disservice to have not only a defensive-minded head coach and Brandon Staley. I realize he played quarterback at Dayton, so he's got the background years ago, but he earned his reputation coaching on the defensive side of the football. I just think Staley is reckless with his decision-making. And I like smart people. I used to have a relatively high IQ before I got into broadcasting. Not that it matters, but I don't want you to think that I'm bashing the nerds, nerds, using their computers and their Pythagorean theorems to make decisions. I believe in analytics to a degree. Staley's just out of his mind. He blindly goes for it, cost the Chargers last year, in the game that it was just in front of him, a tie with the Raiders. Both teams go to the postseason. Staley just making bizarre, reckless decisions. And I don't know that Herbert's going to take the next step with that coaching staff. That said, they're looking good right now. Obviously, they're not going to touch Kansas City within the division. Kansas City winning the AFC West for a seventh consecutive year. But if the Chargers get in as a wild card, if they beat the Colts as they should tonight, and we'll talk about all of the issues in Indy coming up in 15 minutes, L.A.'s in great shape to have a higher seed. And I think when we see Herbert on that stage, he's going to thrive. They're finally healthy. Another issue I have with the Chargers, name a team that routinely deals with more injuries. It's not just the nature of football a collision sport. Chargers, and I'm doing this anecdotally, but I go through transactions. They have more dudes on the IR seemingly every year than anybody else. Now, they have the ability finally to get healthy at this stage of the season, but just go week by week, especially at the skill positions with what's been going on with Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. However, with that backdrop, finally, L.A. has Basically, most of the key components, and let's see what they do with this opportunity. They play in the same division as the once-proud Denver Broncos. And remember when Denver had competent quarterbacks? Well, you have to think about the tent poles. You go back to John Elway. Then they were lost for years, although Jake Plummer, better than you remember. They go out and they rent Peyton Manning at the end of his career. They win the Super Bowl, and then they meander through Brock Osweiler, Paxton Lynch, a first-round pick, mind you, Trevor Simeon, Case Keenum, a bunch of dudes, and then they think they have the answer with Russell Wilson. Now, Russell's struggles this year may or may not be independent of how overmatched 
Nathaniel Hackett has proven to be. And Jason Cole was kinder than I was when I asked him a bit facetiously what took the Broncos so long to finally take Hackett off the sideline and put him out of his misery. Fired today at 4-11. No interim name. Press conference tomorrow in Denver, noon Eastern. My friend Dan Schwartzman, who's in the next two days, will be all over it. There are a few layers to what's going on in Denver. You start by fixing a problem that should have been addressed, in my estimation, a long time ago. I know what Jason was saying. There was no rush, quote-unquote, because even if you had your own first-round pick, well, the losing would have been something that was a positive. It would have enhanced your draft possibilities. But they don't have that pick. They sent it to Seattle to get Russell Wilson. This is a proud franchise with incredibly passionate fans. Broncos run that region. I'm saying, if you're a Bronco fan, how miserable did every Thursday and Sunday and Monday night become when your team was out there and flat out were embarrassing themselves? Yesterday, I rarely use the word quit because I think it's the worst indictment you can throw at a professional in any occupation. So I'll be nicer. Looked like the Broncos did not want to be there. Once that game got out of hand and it was in a hurry, and Russ is complicit with the back-to-back picks to open things up on the first couple possessions, and the defense looked like they had no interest in tackling anybody, here's Baker Mayfield, who's going to get a shot somewhere. And I've been very critical of Baker, and I think I was accurate with that assessment. Again, nothing personal, but undersized. A risk-taker with too much belief in his arm in tight windows. Now, he never should have been the number one overall pick, but he didn't draft himself. That's the incompetence of Cleveland. But here's Baker with an opportunity to do what he does best, go out and freestyle. And we saw it in that remarkable Thursday night performance, signed two days earlier. Sean McVay said he didn't know any of our plays. Yeah, he looked at the playbook on the plane, and he was on his – Laptop trying to get all the information with the downloads, but he was out there ad-libbing, and that was an amazing win, albeit against the Raiders, who find a way to lose just about every week. Saw it again, emotional night on Saturday and Christmas Eve in Pittsburgh with that tribute to Franco Harris that was just so well done, and we lost a, a, a giant of our sport. I've had The opportunity to talk to a lot of people that I grew up admiring. And my grandfather ended his career in Pittsburgh. I was a Steeler fan by extension in their glory years and was very lucky to have chatted with Franco Harris. And you walked away from that conversation feeling better about your day. He was that gracious. He was that generous with his time. Everything you've heard about Franco was true. Still, just to put the Raiders into context here. Think about the Raiders last few weeks. They watch Baker Mayfield rip their hearts out metaphorically. Then they're handed the most miraculous, and we're talking about the Raiders here, right? Immaculate reception, sea of hands, holy roller, tuck rule. They're handed the gift when the Patriots lose their mind. And I feel bad for Jacoby Myers. He's a good player, made a terrible decision. Chandler Jones just plowing over Mac Jones. And Mac Jones, incidentally, is doing more to earn the reputation for being, quote-unquote, a dirty player. That was a 
decision that he made in real time to go low on Eli Apple and what should have been a touchdown for Cincinnati. That was a terrible call in that game. It was a fumble. Don't tell me that was a pass with the shovel that led to intentional grounding. But the Raiders, every time they take the field this year, it feels like it's going to be one of the more bizarre games you've ever seen. Here's Baker doing that against Las Vegas. Played decently in the loss of Green Bay. He looked like Joe Namath, Y.A. Tittle, and Tom Brady. I went old school for our more antiquated fans. All rolled up in the one because the Broncos did not want to be on the field. So the Walton family, who spent four and a half bill on the team, had no choice after yesterday. When you are embarrassed, 51-14, to with the whole nation watching, only game on, on CBS, hello friends, and it happens that the owner of the team that applied that beatdown to you is family, I can do Brian Kelly, family, Cronky married into Walmart money. Those are his in-laws. You can't tell me that wasn't one more thing that said it's time to put Hackett on the unemployment line. So now what does Denver do next? It's all about Sean Payton. And I think he can name his own price. He'll look around the league, Indy, although Jim Irsay will talk about the year of Jim Irsay in 10 minutes as we get you set for Monday Night Football. I'm Brian Weber, in for Rich Eisen, one 204 rich Twitter is BW Weber, Weber with two Bs. Irsay does whatever he wants to. How's that Saturday hiring look? Remember, as Ursay told us, the Colts are in what? That top quartile, <laughs> upper quartile. Didn't seem like they were in the top 1% when they gagged away a 33-0 lead at halftime against Minnesota. So Saturday's got to be one and done. That means the Colts open up. I think the Chargers, if they have any idea of what they're doing, have to upgrade things and bring in an offensive-minded head coach, to nurture Justin Herbert. Well, Sean Payton already spends a lot of time here in Southern California. I'm not saying the geography game always is the right way to go, but do you want to be the head coach of the Denver Broncos and maybe you get 12, 15 million bucks of that Walmart money, but you also now have the tall order of trying to fix Russell Wilson. Now, the comp is Drew Brees, and I think Payton has enough gravitas and the credentials as a Super Bowl champion, one of the most respected offensive minds in football, he could go in at least with a blank slate with Russell Wilson, said, here's what we got to do. We got to get you more on design roles. It can't be just straight drop back like Drew Brees. And if you want to jumpstart your career, not for reasons to make any more money, because Russ got all of this dough coming to him with the contract extension he signed in the offseason, but just to be in the conversation as to one of the top 10 quarterbacks in football again, trust me, let's go through this together. I don't know that Peyton wants to do that because the two are intertwined. Yeah, you're going to get a massive payday, but you also have the monumental challenge of trying to fix a broken Russell Wilson. And this is not just this year. If you were paying attention, we saw the decline towards the end of his run in Seattle. More Hackett-esque Clock management from yours truly. I promise some thoughts on the NFC. Let's do it rapidly, and then we'll get Monday Night Football lined up for you coming up. I don't want to bury 
Philadelphia just yet. I'm aware Jalen Hurts could not play, and Gardner Minshew, while he is a high-end backup, is still a backup. Four turnovers, Minshew had a couple picks, although the receivers could have done better on that, but just put it down in the stat line, two picks. So four turnovers for Philadelphia. I thought of more importance, not only was that defense exposed to a degree after Dak had that ridiculous play, bat in the air, taken back for the pick six, he settled down. But if you think about the game flow, just watching that game between Philadelphia and Dallas, didn't Dallas look like the better team? And I know Hurts matters. I'm not minimizing that. Just as Philadelphia's victory over Dallas with Cooper Rush has a different dynamic to it. But for all of the sensibility that Philadelphia has a roster as complete as Buffalo, I think they have the two best collections of personnel across the NFL, how does that Philadelphia defense rebound from Dallas scoring 40 on them? That's a real question moving into the postseason. Now, in the NFC, I don't know how many teams can erupt for 40. We're not talking about Buffalo class along with Kansas City of the AFC, or Cincinnati, or even Miami, and I'm not giving two a pass. Yes, I spent a lot of time in the first hour talking about just how miserable it was with the three consecutive picks in the second half. But as you go through the elite teams in the NFC, other than that matchup with, say, Minnesota, and Justin Jefferson belongs in the MVP conversation, he's approaching 2,000 receiving yards, but we saw Minnesota lose on the road at Philadelphia earlier this year. So I'm not abandoning Philadelphia. I am pointing out that the separation between Philadelphia and everybody else in the NFC has been diminished. In fact, I put San Francisco right there with Philadelphia. I know that sounds absurd, but I believe in the Niners' defense more now than the Eagles. Give me Christian McCaffrey with all his versatility. No contest hurts who's either going to win the MVP or be the runner-up versus Brock Purdy. But Kyle Shanahan is protecting the weaknesses of Purdy, and this guy is bowling. I'm not crowning anybody, but in terms of what he's being asked to do, and remember, he had that abdominal strain, took the shot in Seattle, and looked very good again. Seattle's been exposed, but that's a hostile environment to play. If you're asking me to slot the teams in the NFC, I'm still going Philadelphia 1. I got San Francisco 2. And I do not believe in Minnesota at all. But again, given our holiday mindset, I'll be generous and leave poor Kirk Cousins alone. I'm Brian Weber in for Rich Eisen. Time is running out. If you want to be a part of the program, hit me up on Twitter, BW Weber. Weber with two Bs in 20 minutes. We wrap it up talking NBA with the five games played yesterday as a foundation for our conversation with Kurt Heelan lead basketball writer for NBCSports.com. Up next, we continue to put the playoff picture into focus, and we'll get you set for Monday Night Football. If the Chargers hang on to the wild card, how dangerous could they be in the postseason? That's on the way. I'm Brian Weber, in for Rich. Find the latest and greatest audio entertainment on Audible. It's got everything you want to hear, including the Rich Eisen Show. Along with podcasts, you'll also find audiobooks and exclusive originals. We're talking comedy, sports stories, deep dives with athletes, entertainers, business, anything else you're into. With Audible, you'll get access to thousands of included titles, 
with more added each week so you can listen on the road, at the gym, anywhere you want to fuel up your imagination. Join now and get 30 days free at the home of storytelling, audible.com. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. What companies would you want to work for? Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the prestigious Just Capital 2024 seal. Bank of America is ranked number one in the banking industry and number one for their ongoing commitment to workers, offering best-in-class benefits, including a minimum wage of $25 an hour by 2025. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. Brian Weber back with you. Always a delight to be in for Rich and the fellas. Remember, I have a lot of pressure, not only as a fill-in guy that tells you how the industry views my stature and standing in the business, but a lot of the enjoyment as a daily listener and now watcher on the Roku channel of the Rich Eisen Show is the fellowship with the guys Brockman and TJ and I love saying Del Tufo because I work with Mike at NFL Network. So I have to do my best to be as compelling as this band of brothers. And I know I'm going to fall short, but control the controllables. And that means I got to maximize every minute we have together. Plus, I'm going to bring in Kurt Heelan coming up in 15 minutes to talk NBA using what happened yesterday. With the five games, not going to get into the minutiae of the matchups on a big word Monday, but use that as a foundation for overall analysis. When we say hello to Kurt Heelan from NBCSports.com, I got to make sure, hopefully, because I want to come back later in the week, that what I'm saying resonates with you. So if you have feedback, hit me up on Twitter, B.W. Weber, Weber with two Bs, last hour and a half, we've had to make the adjustment to... The breaking news, no surprise, but the timing came down roughly around 1 p.m. Eastern time. Nathaniel Hackett out in Denver, 4-11. The final thing that pushed him off the professional cliff was that hideous loss to the Rams, 51-14. I mentioned I thought the optics were terrible beyond the final score. Looked like the defense didn't want to be there. You had the sideline altercation verbally, but it was bad optics. It was a tough look on national TV. Remember, that's the A-team, not only for Nance, hello friends, and Tony Romo, but the best production team that CBS has to offer. A couple more cameras, more tape machines. There was nowhere to hide for the Broncos, and they were not even trying to be subtle. There was a lot of joy going on, showing the broken nature of that team, 
It looks bad when your backup quarterback. I know Brett Rippon played last week when Russ was hurt, but he's John with the offensive line. And I forgot, and I want to give credit because there's too much stealing going on in our business. Attribution matters. Plus, I respect him. I worked with him, and he's a colleague and friend of Rich and a frequent contributor to this program. Ian Rappaport, lead insider for NFL Network, reminding me there was a confrontation between the Broncos and the Rams after the game. Well, you had thousands of citizen journalists still at SoFi. Smartly, if you hung around for the conclusion of that beatdown, well, at that point, wait until the other people leave the parking lot. So you have the teams pushing and shoving. That all was documented. It went viral on Twitter yesterday. You put it all together, and it just had the overall connotation that Hackett had lost the team. And we knew that to be true, but it was the final coalescing of all these things. Hackett out, press conference tomorrow, no interim named as of yet. Doesn't matter what Denver does down the stretch. Now it's all about what's going to take, how much dough is going to take for the Walton family to get Sean Payton to put his name on the dotted line. Monday Night Football is relevant tonight. Not always been the case, but it matters primarily Indies just playing for draft order, and I guess to show they have a bit of professional pride. Going to be fascinating to see how the Colts look. Remember, they've had a little bit more time just to process what in the world happened against Minnesota latest remarkable game involving the Vikings. The game between the Vikings and the Bills in Western New York ranks among the most incredible games I've ever seen. And I'm older than my energetic sound would suggest. I'm 53. I've watched football for a long time. That was the wildest finish I can recall going back to the miracle at the Meadowlands. Herm Edwards, Joe Pasarczyk. You have that as one component of this insane Viking year, then a 33-0 implosion by the Colts. So I'll be watching. It's my job after all. Just want to see if Indy shows up. I'm not saying the team has given up, but that still has to be unbelievably demoralizing. Taking on the Chargers, who have it all right in front of them, knowing they can't win the division and they were never going to win that division because Kansas City has a stranglehold on it. Seven consecutive Division titles. Unbelievable consistency. And think about that quarterback transition from Alex Smith to Patrick Mahomes. But as the Chargers have demonstrated, they have a penchant for closing games out. That's unusual given their organizational history. Phenomenal conclusion to the game against the Titans. And oh my goodness, Tennessee has just disappeared before our eyes. I spent time in the first hour of the show before the Nathaniel Hackett news trying to forecast the future of Aaron Rodgers. If he wants out of Green Bay, Tennessee makes the most sense to me. It's going to be Malik Willis now just trying to hold that team together. Here come your Jacksonville Jaguars. Don't worry about what happens this week. Jacksonville versus Tennessee, winner take all in a couple weeks with the division title on the line, undeniably. That'll be flexed out for the final Sunday night game to wrap up the regular season. But Tennessee had a wonderful opportunity to defeat the Chargers. Even though Ryan Tannehill was carted off the field, came back, and now we know looks 
very, very small opportunity. SM all that even if the Titans win the division, he could come back from that ankle injury in the postseason. But credit the tenacity of Justin Herbert. I do my best to be transparent. I'm Brian Weber in for Rich Eisen. You want to hit me up during our last 30 minutes together or after the program. I am on Twitter. Twitter still functioning. B.W. Weber, Weber with two B's. I did not think, and I am the biggest Pac-12 honk you will find. I have been preparing for a Pac-12 men's volleyball game, I'm calling, in a month because I want to get ahead. That's how much I love the Conference of Champions, a graduate of two schools. One is destroying the conference and going to the Big Ten. I'll leave that alone. I saw a ton of Herbert at Oregon. Thought he was high-end good. Did not think he was a generational talent. Now, that's on me. Now, maybe some of that was a reflection of the coaching staff and the play calling or his need to have more time to mature and develop. And I'm not saying he's immature. If you ever hear Justin Herbert speak, he is incredibly polished. Guy had something close to a 4.0 GPA at the University of Oregon in a real major, like microbiology. He is a smart guy. But I just did not see watching a lot of Ducks football, anything that would foreshadow Herbert emerging as one of the most promising young quarterbacks we've seen since Andrew Luck. Remember, Andrew Luck was amazingly efficient and dominant at Stanford. Herbert played very well, don't get me wrong, but I saw too many Aaron throws. I saw some decision-making that was questionable. I got it totally wrong. Herbert is a generational talent. At the same time, he's on his rookie deal. This is the window for the Chargers to maximize what they can get out of him because he's so cost-effective. They have to, in my opinion, find him a more offensive-minded coaching staff. Now, it's going to be hard to make that transition should the Chargers get into the playoffs, and I think they will because I think they beat Indy tonight. Everybody's been beating Indy, and that just exposes the lunacy of what Jim Irsay tried to do. Jeff Saturday seems like a wonderful man, highly respected, had a phenomenal offensive line career in the NFL. I liked him on TV, but you can't just drag somebody out of a studio spewing hot takes like I'm doing. Nobody's going to tap me on the shoulder and say, would you like to coach an NFL team with no NFL or college experience? Although I don't know Jim Irsay. Maybe if I had access to Irsay, I could be the next head coach of Blue Horseshoe. Irsay has been so entertaining this year. I could do 20 minutes on the greatest hits, not only of Irsay singing, because you know he's a huge rock and roll fan, right? Spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on rock memorabilia and is out on the road singing Pink Floyd covers. I'll let you find that on your old time. But this was the worst hire other than Nathaniel Hackett. My goodness, we're having some ridiculous hires in the NFL. Worst hire imaginable. And remember, because I'm beating up on the Raiders for some reason, when they beat the Raiders, how many people who were friends obviously wanted to be supportive of Jeff Saturday saying, aha, you guys are wrong, you naysayers. I told you Saturday would walk in and be Vince Lombardi. 
remember when Jimmy Ursay said Don Shula didn't have a lot of coaching experience. How'd that work out first in Baltimore and then with the Dolphins? So if Ursay hadn't said so many insane things about the top quartile of the upper quartile, maybe Saturday would have been hammered as much. But I don't think it was just the verbiage. When your team blows a 33 to nothing lead, worse than the Bills and the Houston Oilers with Frank Reich, you talk about coincidence and serendipity, as the quarterback after we got fired in Indy, Saturday takes over. Now you know the rest of the story. I'm amazed Saturday still has that job, other than Ursay clearly doesn't want to admit the mistakes he has made. So, a Charger victory gets them to 9-6. and six. Miami's in free fall. Tua gave that game away yesterday with the three picks. Miami's lost four in a row. Chargers enhanced their playoff seating as a very dangerous wild card. Question is, do you trust Brandon Staley to make the right decisions, not only just going for it recklessly? I'm talking game management, or will we see the exact same thing we saw from Mike McCarthy butchering the Cowboys' decision-making and game management at the business end of that playoff loss to the Niners last year. I just don't have any confidence in Staley, and he seems like a decent, nice man. I've heard him on this show with Rich. He's affable. He's outgoing. But this is not a popularity contest. This is a results-oriented industry. And the Chargers finally have a young quarterback. Now, they didn't have to wait that long, if you think about all of the great productive years that Phillip Rivers gave them. But as they reinvent themselves here in Los Angeles, as I come to you from our Regal Studios in Southern California, to have Herbert now with the ability to get to the postseason, if they don't make an impact, I think that's enough for even the Spanos family to say, okay, we finally have to spend some money. Maybe they make a run at Sean Payton, although if you're Payton, the question is, do you want more money from the Broncos because the Walton family can spend whatever they want to, but you also want the responsibility then of trying to fix a broken Russell Wilson. I'm Brian Weber in for Rich. We're getting set for the final block of content coming up, and we're going to wrap it up with gusto as we talk NBA on a normal day after Christmas. It would have been probably... 60-40 NFL NBA, but the league took over Santa's day as well. So I'm presuming you probably didn't watch a lot of the games tomorrow, uh, yesterday and tomorrow, and you got a lot going on during this holiday week. So I watched a good chunk of the interesting games yesterday. Boston, Milwaukee, Golden State, Memphis. Important win it felt like for the Warriors just to regain some continuity. But would report Steph Curry is going to be out at least another two weeks. Could the Warriors be dealing with real issues in the context of the regular season? We'll cover it all when we say hello to Kurt Heelan, lead NBA writer for NBCSports.com. I'm Brian Weber, in for Rich, on The Rich Eisen Show. Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the Just Capital seal. Bank of America is ranked number one for ongoing commitment to their workers with initiatives like Sharing Success, which awarded 97% of their teammates additional compensation, nearly all in stock. This is the program's seventh consecutive year, awarding more than $4.8 billion in total. 
Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. Named one of the best personal finance podcasts, The Stacking Benjamin Show with Joe and his friends makes financial literacy fun. I got an email today from the LenPenzo.com HR department. I find oh. it really interesting. I'm an employee of one at this company, so but somebody from the HR department sent me an email telling me that I had a raise. If I just opened the attachment, I could see how much my raise was. Make sure you click on the links that are in there, too. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, I can't wait. This is I'm excited. Find out more by searching the Stacking Benjamins podcast wherever you listen. Brian Weber back with you. We are winding down. That means Dan Schwartzman is warming up. My good friend Danny with you the next two days. I'm back with you on Thursday and Friday. As promised, we're going to wrap up the program talking some NBA normally the day after Christmas. That would have been one of our focal points. But like everything, the NFL now dominates that holiday, at least for this year. Always a pleasure to talk hoops with an old friend, Kurt Heelan, lead NBA writer for NBCSports.com. Kurt, it's been a while. Happy holidays. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I was about to make a joke about there was there NFL games on last night. Then I remembered, <laughs> then I remembered NBC had one. So, yes, I absolutely watched every second of the Bucks versus Cardinals. Always good to have the corporate <laughs> synergy in mind. Well, since you mentioned it, from a standpoint of casual fans, because I love basketball as much as you do, I went back and forth, but thankfully the Broncos and Rams were unwatchable. I watched the majority of Milwaukee and Boston. But let's say a casual fan who typically is flipping around on Christmas Day and stumbles across the NBA and watches because in the old days it was the only thing on other than the blue-gray game in college football. How much do you think the NBA might have lost that element yesterday having to compete with the NFL? I don't think it helped. I think it'd be interesting when the numbers come out because I can can picture a lot of households where there were – there was some hype around Bucks and Celtics, right? Like that. that I mean, that these've been the two best teams in the league this far this year. But I'm curious, like how many households, dad and the uncles were watching the NFL on and you know on 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 the big TV, and a bunch of kids were in the corner streaming, like the N, the NBA games. Like it's it's a little bit of a different market, but it, it certainly isn't gonna you know when the numbers come out, it's certainly not gonna help the overall numbers. Just that. Like you said, the NFL is still the 800-pound gorilla of sports in America. And and if you're going head-to-head, I mean, look at the NBA. has gone away from Thursday nights, the first yeah. part of the season, because the NFL is doing Thursday night games streaming. Like, they, they, they just don't win that head-to-head. Well, it tells you how much I care about hoops and always value your insights. They made sure we got to it at this stage of the program. So, since we both agreed that Milwaukee-Boston was the marquee matchup, Can you make the argument, uh, I know this sounds a little bit odd considering how well Boston played in the second half of last year on the way to the NBA Finals, but given the chaos that could have come with the coaching transition, that's not been an issue. You throw in Malcolm Brogdon. Do you think Boston is better now than they were a year ago? Yes, because I think they're just more comfortable in who they are, and and despite the the coaching shakeup and, like you said, the drama that could have Joe Missoula has done a fantastic job of just not letting that be an issue, just not playing into it at all and not letting the players play into it. Um, but they just know who they are. If, adding Malcolm Brogdon helps 
but this is a team that for the first, I mean, they were what, 18 and 21 last year. They were struggling to kind of find themselves and get Brown and Tatum on the same page at the same time. And once that all clicked and there are, you know, a few things came together at once, they have been the best. They, I mean, they obviously didn't win the finals, but they have been as good or better than everybody. And that confidence has carried over into this season. And also, Brian, I mean, you've watched them. Don't they have – they're not as good as this team, I think, yet, but aren't they carrying a little bit of that 2014 Spurs chip on the shoulder yeah, where the Spurs, lost the, the Spurs lost in the finals to the, you know, the, the Ray Allen shot and that Heat team, and they came back the next year, won 60-plus games, and just destroyed everybody. They were so good. Um, and I, there's a little bit of that with Boston. Talking hoops with Kurt Heelan. Check out his great work, NBCSports.com. Kurt, should we have concerns about Chris Middleton and this lingering knee issue? Clearly, Milwaukee's still playing at a very high level without him, but we know how pivotal he is when this team is at their best. A little bit, yeah. I mean, it just that he came back and then had to go back out is, is always concerning. Um, and you're right. Look, when you have Giannis Antetokounmpo, when you have like, the best player walking the face of the earth, like you can – and they've got a good – again, they've got consistency. They've got good core around him. They know who they are. They're going to win a lot of games. They're going to be a high seed. But these are the moments, the top – you know, when, when it gets to postseason, they need 100% Chris Middleton. And, you know, they missed him in the playoffs last year. They've got to get him back. So it's, it's a little bit of a concern. I'm not sure if – I don't know. Is the flag red or is it just kind of yellow? Mm-hmm. Like orange, like it. I'm not sure how. I'm not sure it's a full red flag yet, but it's a, it's something to watch because if he's not back and not 100 percent there, you saw it yesterday. You can load up on Giannis, you can throw a bunch of defenders at him, and they they miss that secondary shot creation. I mean, Middleton, Middleton's an Olympian. Like Middleton's really good, and they miss it. Lakers are getting closer and closer to irrelevant. We're always going to talk about them because of LeBron and because of the marketplace. But with Anthony Davis hurt again, how did the Lakers justify keeping Russell Westbrook on that roster other than LeBron wants him there? Well, the, the, the justification is they can't trade him. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't you give him away at this the, point? Not even, The $47 million contract going out creates so many problems coming back in. There are teams that would do deals that would send the Lakers longer-term bad contracts, but the Lakers don't. You know, for all of the problems you might have with Westbrook's contract, and by the way, he's played decently. Yes, I he's have to give him credit, he's, but he couldn't be worse than he was last year. No, but exactly. But he's a $47 million expiring contract, and what the Lakers don't want to do is take back a bad or even mediocre contract beyond that. They want to... I'm going to give you a big surprise here, Brian. They're not really happy with the roster. They think they may need to retool this in the offseason. <laughs> well, hey, Rob Polink is a smart man. We know that. That's how he got that job. Or perhaps Jay Moore now has input, right? <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't have input? This is really that, – that Lake – Remember, people, they just extended Rob Polinka this offseason. Yes, they, they did. They were happy with the job he did and gave him more years. So, you know, the, 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 the top of the Laker power structure is happy with how the power structure is set up. So I, until that changes, yeah. <laughs> I think because Linda Rambis said so. Let's wrap it up with the Warriors. Yeah. And I, I'm not trying to be a hot take guy, but I've had the mindset, I don't think they're seeding matters, especially with the depth of 
all the talent in the West. This is just a phenomenal collection in the Western Conference. But the way they had been losing prior to yesterday, and obviously everything changes when they get back to San Francisco, but when they allowed the Nets to score, what, 91 on them in the first half last week, was it important that they won that game yesterday? Did they make a mini regular season statement? I think they did. I think they needed it, like you said, as much for their own ego. As much for the, as as confident as they are, as much as they genuinely believe that they they can sort of flip the switch and get back to being the Warriors. And by the way, Brian, don't we kind of all give them that benefit of the doubt? Like mm-hmm. we're all kind of like, yeah, yeah, they'll be there at the end. But I think you hit the other nail on the head, which is, yeah, it's a it is a very deep conference, and it is there's a lot of good teams. The more you've got to play on the road, especially the way they play on the road, but the more you've got to go from the middle of the pack out just the harder it gets. And they are not – they are just making their path through to the finals that much harder in a conference where I do think Memphis – I think Memphis is close and on the edge. Denver's playing obviously really well and had the most – that was the most entertaining game of the, game, the, yeah. night, the day yet last night for anybody who was up late. Um, there's a lot of te- – the Clippers are a sleeping giant if you want to bet on – Kawhi Leonard and Paul George being healthy at the same time. Like, there's just a lot of potential there, and you just don't want to make your road any harder than it is. And I feel like the Warriors, their Warriors lackadaisical, I'm looking for the right word, uh, treatment of the regular season could come back to bite them. Kurt, 30 seconds on why the Harden story potentially going back to Houston leaked yesterday. I think it's negotiation leverage. Uh-huh. I think it's somebody in Harden's camp. The, the, we'll see what contract the Sixers offer him at the end of the year. He does have ties to Houston. He liked being there, but I still think this was a this was a message being sent. Hey, you are not getting a discount this year. We gave you one last year, not this time around. And perfectly timed because the internet blew up. Kurt, great information as always. I appreciate your availability whenever I'm lucky enough to be in the chair. Happy holidays and look forward to our next conversation. I look forward to it too, Brian. Take care. Kurt Heelan. Terrific information. Log on to NBCSports.com right now because while football is king, if I'm breaking down this show, I think I went 97% NFL. Too much Hackett, but I had to follow the breaking news. Moving forward, though, as the NFL postseason will dominate our attention when your local team is knocked out of contention, I think a lot of you segue to the NBA, and I don't want to belabor the point, but... I love hoops as much as I love the NFL. And I love the opportunity to sit in for Rich. means a lot to me that he would think of me. And hopefully you folks appreciate Rich's decision to bring somebody in. The whole reason I was here, breaking news, my man. So that was fun. Glad we had the chance to react nimbly and adroitly. My good friend Dan Schwartzman will do the same the next two days. And I'm back with you on Thursday, talking, as you might imagine, much more NFL. We got a Thursday night game. Cowboys, can I really talk myself into believing in Dallas once more? Cowboys against the imploding Titans. There are T's in there. Before that, enjoy Monday Night Football. Big opportunity for the Chargers. Will the Colts even show up after blowing a 33-2-0 lead against the Vikings? A lot of people to thank, starting with Rich all the great folks at Westwood One, led by Bruce Gilbert. Outstanding work, as always, by our production team and technical producer, Art Martinez. 
I'm Brian Weber. Enjoy Dan Schwartzman the next couple days. I'll talk to you on Thursday here on The Rich Eisen Show.